Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with Tina Spring. And today, we're going to do a grab bag of questions. So we've had from our clients various questions over the last few weeks that we decided, you know, those are things that I bet are more common than people um, may admit. And that maybe there's some things we can talk about here that will help people that um, have questions about things that happen to their dogs, especially as their dogs get older. Um, There are some puppy issues and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about weight and how that changes over time and how that may change in your puppy. And speaking of puppy, one of the things that I did want to recommend to any of you that have a puppy is 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy, which is Tina's online program. And it's absolutely fabulous. I've had, I've used parts of it myself. Um, I used it with my Clementine and has made all the difference. So I think we'll start out with Tina telling us a little bit more about 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. And then let's talk about weight. And how do you decide what the right weight is? How do you decide how much to feed? How do you make some of these tough decisions about what's right for your dog when it comes to food? So there you go, Tina. Well, thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to talk about 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. Um, I created 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy many, many, many years ago at customer requests. And my practice while it's local here in Georgia, um, spans across the US, Canada, the Virgin Islands, a bunch of places. So some people wanted to have a puppy rearing program that was super cost effective, um, that they could either use as a standalone program or as a program that they could utilize with an in-person puppy class. Um, And so that's how that program derived. There's handouts, video, it's on demand, and there's even a Facebook group that's closed and only available to subscribers so people get really good help. And I'd love to have people go take a look at it and let me know what they think and and get some good help, especially with all the new COVID puppies, right? We're we're all raising puppies together right now and, and dealing with the struggles that maybe a puppy class isn't available in your area. That's right, because I know right now puppy classes all have all been shut down in our area so that there are very few resources for people who want to, you know, get some really specific puppy information. And 90 Days to a Perfect Puppy is a terrific addition to anybody's training regime. So take a look at that. And where would they find that, Tina? They can go to sithappens.us and right at the top of the front page, the home page, is a link. There's a cute little puppy with a bow tie on that's a little bit crooked. Um, And that is the link to go check out the program and see if it's a good fit for their family. And of course, I'm always happy to answer questions. Always, always. You are always happy to answer questions. You always are happy to answer my questions, which I'm not sure. I I think I probably abuse that privilege. But anyway, (laughs) thanks. Um, And so for those of us, all of us who are in COVID, it certainly is great to have that kind of terrific resource available for those of us who are raising puppies in this very interesting time. So with that, one of the things that we were chatting about, and in fact, I just had a client today tell me that her vet said that the dog was um, 
uh, her puppy was 83 pounds and that he should, he's actually, oh, f- at least five pounds overweight and needs to take the weight down and, but then didn't really give her any information about how to do that. So, you know, she's got him on a pretty good food and she's like, what do I do? Just cut down the amount and add in green beans or Anyway, I wondered what you had to say about how do you determine what the right the right weight is for your particular dog, which we do have an episode on too fat, too thin, too uh, just right, and we'll give a link to that. But beyond that, food, as we've talked about, can be very confusing. So what advice would you give to somebody who's at a loss as to what to do with the so- weight of the dog? So I think it's important to understand that the caloric intake needs of a dog changes over their life and sometimes even over the year. For example, we see in our dogs in our household, we live here in Georgia, that um, summer and winter, the dogs need less than they do spring and fall. And I think it's because the weather is more conducive to them playing outside and just burning more calories spring and fall, right? For other places, I imagine in Ohio, Dogs burn more calories probably in the winter trying to stay warm. So um, my dogs have a little bit of adjustment that typically happens um, a couple of times a year. And that's always based just on body condition. So I I know this sounds terrible. Here's a true confession. I never read what's on the back of the bag because my experience is that's never been right. (laughs) Um, So... I, I eyeball it based on body condition, right? So is the dog a little too lean, a little too heavy or just right? I prefer my dogs on the lean side of ideal. I think that like it would serve me to be on the lean side mm-hmm. of ideal from a health standpoint. Absolutely. That's probably, that's probably true of my dogs too. Though I will say I I probably move senior, like truly senior dogs. Like I've had dogs that were 17 and a half. Those dogs, I might put a little tiny bit of extra weight on them, a few ounces um, or a half a pound. So they have a little bit more in reserve in case, in case something happens. Um, But the big thing that I see in my practice is that dogs get overweight because we don't realize their needs change. So You have that five-month-old Dalmatian puppy that's eating like a ton of food every single day. And then the predominant bone growth stops. And we just think that puppy eats four cups of food a day. But in reality, as an adult, that puppy might only eat a cup and a half of food a day. And if we look at what's on the bag, what I see happen is the overweight dog. So the the 75-pound dog that's maybe 85 pounds we read what it says to feed an 85 pound dog and then we feed them that and then we have you know a 100 pound dog so um what i usually tell people is if you're trying to take some weight off your dog try reducing their intake by a third and then evaluate in 30 days did the dog lose weight did the weight stay the same how are we doing um and and just go from there right there are all sorts of and um Linda Case, the science dog, has really great courses on canine nutrition. Um, And there's all sorts of amazing formulas that you can try to figure it out. Or you can just look at your dog and put your hands on them and go, is there a fat pad over the ribs or not? Is there a fat pad over the spine or not? 
And it's important to understand that there's other health things other than intake that impact it, right? It can be exercise. It can also be metabolic issues. Cushing's, Addison, thyroid are just some things that come to mind. So that gets into this greater conversation that you and I were having earlier about as dogs age, kind of how we evaluate them and walk that journey with them, right? Um, right. Right. It's starting to go up. Right. And and one of the things that, that I will tell people, too, is when you're looking at the amount of food that your dog is eating, um, also look at what, what their energy level is like. You know, um, if your dog's energy level starts to really drop off and they become really lethargic, you need to ask yourself, does it have something to do with the food or is there something else going on with my dog? The other thing I was going to ask, the big question I get, Tina, and I don't know if you have a good answer for this, is when do we switch off of puppy food to adult food? Do you get that one a lot? I do. I get that one constantly. And, and oh, people, me and my terrible, it depends answer. Um, so... <laughs> So absolutely, I, absolutely. Tell people is when primary bone growth is over. And when is so, that? So I I look at their little doggy wrists, right? There's that big bone deposit at the wrist when they're puppies. Um, it looks like they have big, you know, bowling balls or softballs on their wrists. And that's a bone deposit. And when that stretches out, they, their wrist will start to look more in line with the rest of the leg, right? It'll look like a more natural presentation. And that's typically, in, at least in my experience, a visual cue, like, okay, predominant bone growth upwards is over. So that can happen really early for some breeds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the pot cake, for example, my experience of them is they physically grow crazy fast. Um, Marco grew like a weed until he was like six months old and then he stopped. Now he's bodied out and matured since then, but he never grew even a hair taller where like Doberman puppies can take a year sometimes to settle into how big they're going to be. So, um, and obviously when we're talking about like the giant breeds that can be that can be pretty impressive. What about the clumbers? Do they grow really quickly and then stop? Uh, well, that's a great question. Since this is my first clumber, um, I don't know if I have enough experience. What I would say is that um, is that Clemmy seemed to grow. Yeah, she just seemed to sort of double in size. It felt like almost every week she was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now she's about 11 months old and she her body her body shape has not changed much in the last few months and so I really think that they are probably they they tend to um they elongate um (laughs) it's she we used to call her the accordion dog because there are sometimes where she looks like a squished down accordion and then she'd sleep and she looks like the accordion expanded out and I don't see that changing as much in the last couple of months. She doesn't seem as much like an accordion. So I think that, um, but clumbers, they had these short little stubby legs. So for her, the, 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 they, they grow to a certain point. And then what we're really seeing is the elongation of right. the dog. So it's her spine elongating that, um, and that hasn't changed much. Um, she's just a bad dog though. She's just a bad dog. She's just, she's, we were looking at the breed standards. We read, Brad was reading somewhere that there's something about that they're sweet and 
funny and fun and what was it? Um, mischievous and um, like I don't, there was mischievous and there was another word like um, misbehaving. And it's like, yeah, that's her in a nutshell. She yeah, is a no, sweet, naughty. Su- yeah, naughty. She's just a naughty, mischievous and, dog. And they think it's all funny. And they oh, yeah. can reach things that you would never think they could reach. Yeah, you because know, because they've got these short, stubby legs. So you see them as short, but they've got these long bodies. So when she goes to counter surf, it's suddenly slung. she's as tall as the freaking counter because her back's so long. Right. right? But, um, but they're but they are fun. But the thing with her is that you got to be. It, that's the other thing is that you have to know the breed. Like for her, as far as weight goes, clumbers have such loose skin mm-hmm. that you really have to feel her and and figure it out. Because if I were to just look at her when she's laying down, it's kind of like it's like a stuff sack and it hasn't been filled in, right? <laughs> so when she stands up, she looks chunkier than what she actually is. So I think it is really important to understand what's the nature of your dog and how do you assess the weight according to what the dog itself looks like? Right. And so it's trying to ascertain like what is skin and what is a fat pad, right? So right. there's definitely some breeds, Roddies come to mind that have kind of thick skin. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the southern hounds, actually, like plot hounds, and um, some of the curs have really thick skin. And I think some of that is, you know, they hunt boar. So they kind of have to have some extra protection there. And they often have very loose skin. So um, learning how to assess your individual dog, and, and I my experience here anyway, is if your vet says that they don't want your dog to get any heavier, your dog is really, really fat. Like, <laughs> and if they say your dog's a little heavy, your dog is morbidly obese and you're cutting their half life in half, right? Because vets do not want to tell you because you're, it, they don't want to hurt your feelings. So, um, my vet is hysterical about the pug. She, every time she sees him, she's like, it's so nice to see a pug that's in good weight. It's so nice to see a pug that's in good condition. And there's a breed with thick skin, right? You have to actually right. put your hands on Al to tell if he's in good weight or not. I mean, he still is going to have a tuck up in a waist, but it can be harder to tell on him. So, right. so the other big time that I see weight um, adjusting and being more difficult for people to gauge is as their dog ages, right? Absolutely. So the dog who his whole life has eaten a cup of food a day suddenly is getting a little bit heavy on that. And my next question for that, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 plus year old dog is how's he doing on stairs? Is he jumping up less, right? Like if he used to jump up on the sofa and cuddle you, is he instead choosing to lay at your feet? Like, are we having some medical changes that maybe are resulting in some pain that that's being reflected in suddenly this dog is a much easier keeper? Um, And I'm, again, I try to be really, really careful about weight for those dogs because if we're starting to get older and rickettier and more painful, then it's a burden to give them extra weight to carry. So there's that fine line of how do I give you enough intake 
that you have a little bit in reserve in case you get sick when you really are truly that elderly geriatric dog, but also making sure that we're not creating an undue burden for a system that's starting to wear out and get older. Yes. Yes. I would agree. I would absolutely agree. The other way we've talked about weight is how important weight is. That I agree. I like to keep my dogs on the leaner side of a normal weight because all those extra pounds that your dog carry can really significantly impact not just the quality of their life, but the length of their life. And you can shorten their life by 10 to 15% by having keeping your dog overweight. And when you talk about that in terms of a 10-year-old dog, you're talking about one to two years that you're taking off your dog's life if you're going to, if they're going to be too heavy. And um, my, my vet, I remember I took Bingley, my first flat coat in, cause I thought he was too skinny. And I was like, should I be worried? And my vet just looked at me and he said, Oh, Julie, he says, I'm, I so seldom see athletic dogs. I'm so happy to see this athletic dog. And, and like, no, I don't want him to be any skinnier, but you don't have anything to worry about. And so right. think of it this way. You want your dog to be the athlete that it's meant to be. You want an athletic build in your dog because it's, you know, healthy dogs who can move are going to make, just like with people, if you can, if you can move, you're going to stay healthier. Um, but you're right. When they start getting older, if things are difficult for them to do, like getting on the couch and stuff, one, they're not moving as much. So two, they're more likely to gain weight, which three makes these things even harder to do. But pain, which is the other grab grab bag question we were going to talk about today, is something that I think people don't realize. Well, he doesn't seem to be in pain. Well, you know what? Dogs can be really stoic about pain and that you may not realize that they're in pain until you take it you start to say wait a minute he's not moving as much or he got kind of cranky with when the puppy walked by him well maybe you can hear clemmy snoring in the background maybe when the the puppy jumped on him a couple of times and it really hurt and so now when the puppy comes by your dog is very uncomfortable because we're afraid that this puppy's going to jump on me and um, that's going to hurt. So one of the things, the or the other thing is, is if you see changes in behavior, if your dog is normally a pretty laid back kind of guy and suddenly he's getting real cranky about things like you asking him to move off the couch or going up and down stairs and he starts getting cranky and, or maybe even snarly, one of the first things I tell people is I don't want to start on a behavior modification program until we have had an evaluation for pain. Because if your dog is in pain, you might not even realize it. It could be that maybe I just, you know, I sprained my back or I, you know, my paws sore or whatever. But get your dog evaluated for pain in his joints. It could be an ear infection. It could be a, an, an infection. I had a dog who got really cranky because he had an abscessed tooth. So let's check all their joints. Let's check their weight. Let's check, you know, all these other things. Pancreatitis, which is extraordinarily painful for dogs, right? But it doesn't have any like physical manifestations such as weight gain, but your dog doesn't want to move a lot. So all these things need to be evaluated and taken care of so that you can give your dog, especially as they get older, the comfortable life that they have earned by being your loyal house pet. Well, and and I think for me, there's a little bit of, I, I have to remind myself to be mindful. Yes. So like, to like once a month watch Marco go up and down the deck stairs and go, is that different than it looked previously? 
right? Is he, when he stops, is he standing square or is he distributing his weight differently? Um, am I noticing that he's maybe not putting his weight on one foot or, um, or if, or is he holding his head differently or is he no longer like, let's say, so Marco's a dog who, who sleeps two ways. He's either out flat, right? Like mm -hmm. the carcass of a dog or he's curled up in this beautiful little tucked in ball. Well, if suddenly I never ever see him curled up, I'm gonna start getting curious about like, okay, is that uncomfortable to do, right? Right. Because dogs are so stoic about pain. They just don't, they don't talk about it, right? Right. Um, and, and, and life, their life is very much like they'll just survive it. So, we, it's not that you want to wait for your dog to show you an acute sign of pain. You want to be actually kind of on the lookout, like a little bit like the lighthouse on the, on the edge of the shore on a barrier island going, hey, 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 is that something different? Um, and different, it, for us anyway, means that we're going to investigate. So... Right. Well, one thing I was going to say is we did an episode with Dr. Alicia Karras on caring for your elderly dog. And there's a comfort diary that you can, if your dog is older, you can check off every day. How, how is he eating? How is he moving? All that kind of stuff. So we'll do a link to that. But one of the things that she said, which I think is pertinent here, is she said most dogs in the morning will do both like sort of a down dog and an up dog stretch. And then they'll shake. She said, watch them shake head to toe. It should go from head all the way down the body and end up coming out the tail. Where they stop in their shake is where they're in pain. And um, in elderly dogs. And I thought that's, that was a really good simple thing is anytime. And so I really do watch my dogs. Um, so if, if Zuzie shakes off and she gets to the to sort of her lower lumbar area, if dogs have lumbar areas, and she stops, I'm like, ah, you may need an adjustment because you tend to sort of go out of sync there. So watch your dog for that. That can give you a hint of perhaps where they're uncomfortable is how are they shaking off? Are they doing their up dog and down dog stretch? And if they do, are they modifying it? Am I not putting, am I not doing go as a deep of a, of an up dog or down dog as I used to do that may be telling you that there's shoulder issues or leg issues. Well, or did the dog suddenly stop doing the thing that you asked them to do that they know how to do, right? So I had right. a client years ago that he told me the dog, he's an old Marine, and he was telling me that his, his Jack Russell Terrier was being disrespectful. <laughs> and it was the dog's neck was jacked up, right? So the, the thing he was telling me was, you need to come and fix this because Buddy will no longer look me in the eye and he's being disrespectful. And that's obviously a dominance problem and you have to come fix it, dog trainer. And I said, okay, great, right? And what I recognized when I came in is Buddy's head was down and he was like rolling his little eyes up to try to look at us, but he couldn't pick his head up. And so- It's like a turtle, asked, it was like a turtle, right? Like a turtle, right. And so when we asked him to sit her down, like in particular, if you asked him to sit, he would try to move into a sit and then he would lay down and like lower his head and, and wag his tail. Like, I'm so sorry. We're not serving sit today. Could I interest you in a nice down? Right. Yes. And so, but meanwhile, like the guy had been pushing on him because he's a little bit of a straight line and 
not always thinking in terms of like, he's the sweetest man in the whole wide world. I absolutely adore him, but his lens isn't always like, maybe there's something wrong. His, his answer is usually a, a less, um, a less nuanced, kind, less nuanced take on the whole thing. And so I said, okay, these are the things I'm seeing that make me think that maybe Buddy is hurting a little bit. Let's make an appointment at the vet. And I went with them to to see if we can get that checked out. And sure enough, like the dog had some spinal stenosis and we did some chiropractic stuff and we added some adequin. And all of a sudden we had a dog who was moving much better and being more successful. And the gentleman, to his credit, had a little bit of a grief process that he thought Buddy was being a jerk, right? Um, so we just had a conversation that old Marines sometimes don't move the way young Marines move. Ah, that, right. And that that wasn't being disrespectful, that maybe he just doesn't hear out of that left ear so well anymore. So um, I, I will say one of the great heartaches in my life with senior dogs have been the things I've missed. Like, when did Stuart last hear me tell him I love him. Yeah. Cause I don't really know when that was. I just hope I, I hope he knew anyway. Right. So, right. um, this aging thing, I think sometimes I close my eyes and cover my ears and go la 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 because I just kind of don't want them to do it. Oh, Oh, I'm so there. I'm so there. I, I so just, I don't, I don't want to do the assessment cause there's a little bit of grief associated with that. Yeah. Well, you know, it reminds me of a little bit. Um, my daughter and I were talking about this the other day. She was reading is that how difficult it is for women in some ways with their children, because from the minute you give birth, you are separating yourself from them. They are, your purpose is to raise them to grow up and not need you. Right. And every milestone along the way is wonderful and exciting, but it's also has some grief attached to it. So that like she the other day, she was looking at her daughter and I saw that look on her face. And I said, and her daughter had really figured out how to pedal her bike. And so she was pedaling her her um, bike with training wheels around and around and around my patio while we had brunch and she was doing really well and she had brought the bike over the day before and she's doing better today than she did the day before than the day before and emma says she suddenly realized that she's no longer a toddler she's a kid and this i'm so happy she can ride her bike but it's yet another step away from me and i think we we do that with our dogs that why we don't want to look at the fact that at age seven your vet's considering your dog geriatric you're like no he's still a young dog yeah, we all want to believe that. But the truth is, is that's the point where you really need to start paying attention to the fact that the problems are going to probably, if they start, they're probably more likely to stick around. And right. they're more likely to be something that you're going to have to deal with. Or, um, But you, we don't want to. Just like, you know, moms want their kids to, to we, in some ways, we want our puppies to get out of the puppy face because I'm tired of house training. But when my puppy moves out of the puppy phase, I also don't get puppy breath, you know. Right. And so I think that just like our children, our dogs are always sort of moving both towards us and away from us. And it's that process of life where we're moving in and out of people's lives and people's relationships. And for those things that we love the most, 
it can be both the the greatest source of joy but a great source of grief as well as we realize this is just this is going to come to an end much earlier than i would ever wish it to right there's not we never get enough time right when when i lost shorty um i can remember saying to people the only way i was going to be okay with it was if i went first yeah oh i felt that way and it's oh. been years and I still like my heart looks for him every day. Right. It's, it's why we haven't gotten a puppy because I'm just not ready yet. Right. And so I talk with families about that a lot. I will also say like y- you talking about like the kiddo riding the bike. There was a moment when Victoria was 16 that the light caught her just right at the kitchen window when she was like rinsing dishes or something that I got to see the woman she was going to become. And with that, like that incredibly proud, like look how beautiful she was, is, was moment also came the air getting sucked out of my lungs. That she wasn't always going to be in my kitchen. That there was going to be that like there was a life before Tori was in my kitchen. There was also going to be a time when Tori wasn't in my kitchen and that that was going to be, like, what was that going to be like? Because I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's an amazing thing. And it's easy when you're frustrated <laughs> with your dog, frustrated mm-hmm. with your kids, to be like, when are you moving out, right? But I also say, like, those moments are important moments, too. Um, they are. And, and then that's not to say that there aren't times, because I've, I've just dealt with a couple of clients recently, it's the wrong dog in the wrong house. Yes. And so, though, you have to take a look at the, at the, you have these lovely moments, but five minutes a day does not a relationship make. You know, if if you only have a half an hour of lovely moments with your dog throughout the day, maybe that's not the right dog for this household, you know, or the right dog for you, or there might be reasons for it. So you need to take a look at that, too, that 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 nature of that relationship, just like you need to pay attention to the dog's physical needs to in order to associate what its needs are as weight wise or pain wise or whatever. The same thing can apply behaviorally. You need to look at what are the good moments versus what are the bad moments. Not every moment with your dog is going to be you and Lassie running through a field. It just isn't. But if the vast majority of time is um, like you're living with Cujo as opposed to Lassie, that should be telling you something too. And um, it's just, it's the, the fact is, is that life is just messy. And anytime you bring something sentient into your life, it's going to be messy. It's going to be joyfully, wonderfully, ugly, messy, great, nasty stuff all in one. And as your dog gets older and you are, you're attached and you just can't imagine life without them. And then suddenly you have life without them. It can be devastating. I know that for me, when I had to put Bingley down from his cancer, it was just, I felt as if it was an Aztec sacrifice and somebody had just ripped, had opened my chest and ripped out my living heart. It sucks. But I would not have given up my 10 years with him for any amount of money or security. 
nothing would have changed. So, would I, I would rather have my heart ripped out of my chest, you know, on a regular basis than to have lost that time with him or with any of the other dogs in my life. So, so, it's, so it's interesting. The dogs, the dogs that I end up having the closest bond to are usually the dogs that were the most difficult for me in the beginning, yeah. which is really interesting, right? Like Shorty, the Jack Russell I was talking about, lived to 17 and a half. He was supposed to be my husband's dog, right? And for five years, Terry kept saying, like, I want a Jack Russell. And I'm like, no, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. And it's not that I don't love Jack Russells. I totally dig Terriers. I just didn't want to have to live with one. So right. I was like, I don't know that I have the energy for this, right? Like, they're, they're the, even the one I have right now, he, I just got him and he's 10. And he gives me a run for my money every day. He's is Marco, sweet. hang by the way, is Marco on your table? Or is that a? No, that's a bed. That's I'm in the bedroom. Okay. Trying to make it a little quieter for you. I was gonna say that's that's a Clementine move to get on the table. Yeah, that's Clemmy. <laughs> I will add Clumber Spaniel to the list of things <laughs> that may not be in my gifting for living in my household. So, um, so yeah, like sometimes Shorty was the hardest puppy I've ever raised. Right. He used to run through the house until he was a year old, urinating. He didn't even know he was doing it. Like trying to house train that Jack Russell puppy. I I really genuinely thought only one of us was going to survive that first year. But we made it. Right. And we right. survived it. And that dog, like, yeah, he's like my son in stars. So um, it. I don't think that the family, I don't I want to be cautionary that the family that's like, Oh, this puppy's making me crazy. Like to think like, Oh, throw your hands up in the air. It's all is lost. Right. Cause that's not the case. Often it's just going to take a little bit longer to break in those genes and to get them exactly the way that they're a good fit. Sometimes they're never going to fit. And right. that's a different thing. Right. And I think that's that this one you have to take a look at. Are we looking at a behavior problem that, you know, we're having a hard time with house training? Well, maybe we have a UTI. I mean, there's lots of different ways to explore that kind of thing. It's a whole nother thing if the dog is, is jumping up and grabbing your face constantly, you know, or, you know, puncturing your arm or, you know, there are various other things that, that may not make it a, the right match, but that's why it's important to, to talk to somebody, talk to your vet. If you, um, if you want to talk to a trainer, somebody who can help you to evaluate whether or not this is a situation that's just temporary or whether it's truly untenable. Um, right. And again, but, like often I find that those dogs have a medical problem and the family just didn't know, like they just didn't know. Right. Mm -hmm. For I don't know what it is about human nature that we take everything super, super personally instead of getting curious about like what might be causing that. Right. So the dog that suddenly starts biting and it's because he's got a tooth problem that's really, really painful um, right. or, or a back problem. So that whole assessing for pain, I just I really try to encourage families to. Um, when there's changes in behavior, especially if you can say like everything was fine until Saturday. Oh, okay. We got something going on. Something changed. And rarely is it your dog got up in the morning and suddenly decided that he hates his family or that he hates the neighbor dog. Like typically 
those are things that if it's behavioral, it's been probably building for a long mm-hmm. time. And it may have been building for medical physical reasons. Right. That's what I tell people, especially if we're talking about a drastic change in behavior, they're like, I don't understand this. He was a great dog until X, Y, Z. Or then I'm like, okay, that's why I really want a good medical evaluation done, including especially with our older dogs. Maybe we need to do some serious blood work here. Let's, and if everything's normal, great. Now you have a baseline against which you can drudge all future blood work. But let's take a look. Maybe we've got a thyroid issue. Maybe we've got, you know, elevated cortisol. Maybe we've got, you know, something else going on. But let's take a look, especially if you see a change in behavior that is not accounted for. It's just like, this is so, it came out of the blue. It probably didn't. And or if it did, then there could be a medical reason for it. Let's get that checked out before we make any radical assessments that this is my dog deciding that um, he hates me or that uh, there's some other sort of uh, vengeful motive for your dog. So his hearing suddenly gone. And we'll talk about that in another podcast. But like, did his hearing go and now he can't hear you giving the cues like he's not being an obstinate jerk. He can't hear you. Right. So. Um, I tell people all the time, give your vet even the information you don't think they need, even the stuff you don't think is related. Give them the information. I, I remember, and, and, and I have, this is not a vet thing, but this is something like my husband was having extraordinary pain, like back pain, and and, she, and it was going down his leg, and he thought, well, I thought, well, maybe it's sciatica or whatever. So we went to see um, the doctor at the urgent care. This is several years ago when we were in um, Virginia. And the guy would look at him, because I had been, I just had a bout of sciatica, so that's where he thought it was. So we were telling the doctor about it, and, and he's just about to write a prescription. And I said, Brad, did you mention the rash? And the doctor's head snapped up, and he said, rash? And I said, yeah, he's got this funny rash that kind of goes down his back and around his leg. And he goes, he took his, he's got shingles. The rash, and so it's like we didn't think the rash had anything to do with the muscle pain or the other pain, and it's like, but it had everything to do with it. And so you're absolutely right. Tell them everything. So I think that the whole thrust behind this is the idea behind, um, you know, how do I manage my dog's weight? What do I do about pain? A lot of it boils down to paying close attention to your dog. Pay attention to, you know, what is he doing? What is he, where is he at? What stage of life is he at? And just making uh, as objective uh, an assessment as possible so that you and your vet can figure out what the right solution is for your dog. Or if, um, you know, and, and, uh, and decide, okay, well, maybe we have a sudden weight loss because we do have a medical problem. So these are all cues for how you can help your dog be as successful as possible as your family pet and how you can give them as healthy and happy a life as possible. And a lot of it is the same strategy we use for other parts of our life is just to pay attention. Take the time to to take a closer look and ask some questions. So anything else to add to that, Tina? No, just get... Stay curious. Stay curious. That's a great way. Yes, stay 
curious. All right. Thanks. And thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Remember to like us on social media as well as wherever you get your podcast because that's how other people find us. And we hope that you learn to love dogs and having them in your life as much as we do. So thanks. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.